Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. We're going to start today's message off, I believe, with Mark 3.28. Give you a second to look at it, but we've been talking for goodness, I believe it's been four weeks pretty specifically and very thoroughly about the new covenant reality that is spirit-filled Christianity, but also this person of the Holy Spirit and what it means to walk in the Spirit. And um, I actually even want to jump back to where we stopped last week. I mean, it'll be standalone, but I, I highly recommend Got a whole lot of feedback about these past few weeks as well, just practically teaching through the giftings of the Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is and how this whole thing has been prophesied and how it works practically in life. But Mark 3.28, it's something where we've termed this uh, the eternal sin or the unforgivable sin. Sounds kind of frightening. But in Mark 3... Jesus says something. He says, Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. And um, it's really interesting. Similar to what we talked about last week, And what Jesus came talking about all the time. Mankind ate the forbidden fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the very beginning of Eden, in the the very beginning of the Bible. And that poisonous fruit caused man's view of God to be completely contoured and changed and darkened. And he began to see God as both good and evil. This is the origin of bad theology, but of seeing God in a way that He is not. And Jesus comes to manifest a complete contradiction to that fallen view of who God is. So many times, Jesus would be doing miraculous things. And when He would, the people, especially the religious elite, were so accustomed to powerlessness. They were so used to nothing happening except for their empty religion that they would demonize the good things Jesus did and say that he was doing it by the power of the devil, (laughs) which is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, he would do miraculous things like Luke 11 is a great example of it. He's literally talking about the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God. And he's, he's given this analogy where he says, you know, which one of you, if your child asks for, and he gives these three different examples, you know, if he asks for a, a fish, will he give him a snake instead? If he asks for an egg, will he give him a stone <laughs> or a scorpion? It's just, it's just these, it's almost this really um, kind of silly way of talking, but Jesus isn't being a jerk or making fun of them. He's, he's literally saying, 
that if you ask for an egg, will you give me a scorpion? If you, you know, if you ask for bread, will you give him a stone? If you ask for fish, will you give your kid a, a serpent, a snake instead of a fish? It's like, so how do you attribute God who gives you good things as also the one that might give you these bad things? He's drawing this analogy. He's making this parable saying like, hey, God is on the good side of the tracks. He is light. He is goodness. He is kindness. He is love. And in the very next portion of this teaching where he's literally saying this, how, how then you being evil, you being of a fallen mind, you still know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more will your heavenly father give you this gift, this Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And because they had accused him so much of like, he's got a demon. He's got Beelzebub. You know, they'd, they'd say those things and it was so utterly ridiculous. Because here's light driving out darkness, and they're, and they're saying, well, this, they're so accustomed to powerlessness, they're like, there's got to be a demon doing this, this powerful stuff, you know. And it says, in that very passage, he cast out a demon from a human being that was mute, and so it caused the human to take on the attributes of the demon. So it says he was casting out a demon, it was mute, and so when the demon had gone out, the mute spoke, and the multitudes marveled. And it was like, oh my goodness. Jesus looked past the state that the man was in, where everyone saw him as a mute, and Jesus, the Spirit of the Father who created him, really, said, I didn't make you that way. I know who you really are. They, they've attributed this to you, but that's something that's not you. And he separated light from darkness within that man, and he said, get out. And so... It's interesting, it gives us that, cute, cute, that little clue there that the, the demon itself was mute. So when he, when he cast it out, the man spoke and everybody marveled, marveled, but so many of them started saying, he casts it out by a demon, he casts it out by a Beelzebub, you know what I'm saying? Because they were just so used to this darkness. And it's so funny that it's right on the heels of him literally saying, how many of you would give your kid something dark when he's asking for something light and he's contradicting this mindset which had come in all the way through the fall it had come in from this poisonous tree of the knowledge of what good and evil was and so back to the unforgivable sin Jesus is talking about this reality of the Holy Spirit in the same context and they're saying the same thing he's doing this stuff by the power of some, something it's demonic and he starts to talk about how can Satan cast out Satan? You know, that word is not necessarily a name as much as it is, how can the accuser, the one who opposes mankind, how can he cast out himself? A kingdom that's divided against itself cannot stand. If Satan risen up against himself and is divided, he can't stand. He has an end. He goes on to say, Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the Son of Man, but whatever blasphemies they may utter, but he who blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. And what he's saying there, it's not like somebody said GD and it's, oh, that's a bad word, but good thing you didn't see, say Holy Spirit and blasphemy that. You know, we've kind of made it, I see a couple smiles, some, some, they've been around some redneck preaching that's heard that before, you know. Uh, yeah. But uh, what he's saying is like, hey, if you come to the point in your life where you demonize God 
there's nothing, there is no other way of life in light. It's not some magical sin, like once you did that, you done crossed the line and there's no coming back. You, you catch what I'm saying? You do. Yeah. He's saying like, man, guys, this is all by the spirit of your, very, of your father. This is the essence of light itself. It's like, if this, if you reject this spirit, if you reject this reality, there's nothing else that's going to do anything for you. That's what it was. And um, it's interesting. Jesus comes and he's constantly painting this reality. And see, speaking of blasphemy, I said something last week and I fully believe it because we kind of landed and finished in John 16. So I'll, I will start where we finished. Maybe not a recap, but maybe just a little two minute. And we talked about the function of the Holy Spirit out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus. Remember this. In, in John 16, he talks about how he was going away, but it was going to go away, but it's to everyone's advantage that he was going because he was going to send this Spirit, this Helper, this One that would lead in all truth, this One that would guide into all truth is what it says in John 16, 13. And um, he gives his, almost like his job description or the function of the Holy Spirit in your life and he says in verse 8 of John 16, when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of unbelief. And this, uh, I want to restate it because it's one of the most crucial things you can ever know or believe about God. This is, this is a core essence of the theology of this Trinitarian aspect of the Holy Spirit, of God himself, the Spirit. And it's like if we, if we miss it, we, we miss something that's very valuable that will bear fruit in our life. And the, and the truth of the matter is that word convict really means reprove. I think when we think he's going to convict the world, it's like convict. We think like hold your hands out for the handcuffs to come on to you. I've been convicted. I'm getting thrown into the prison. You know what I mean? But that convict or that reprove the world of these three things of sin, and that's the only thing that we've been taught to associate the Holy Spirit with being convicted of sin because I'm a sinner and I've been bad and naughty. But what he's telling the disciples, through you, he will convict the world of sin, but also of righteousness and also of judgment. Three different things. And we joke around and like, oh, I've been feeling really convicted about how righteous I am lately, brother. I'm real convicted. I got to call my accountability partner and tell him I'm just really convicted today that Christ made me completely and totally righteous by nothing that I did on my own, but everything that he did. And that would be the that kind of actually be the good context. But all we ever hear about is being convicted of sin and feeling condemned and feeling naughty about ourselves. When in reality, he's telling the disciples, when the Spirit comes upon you, Acts 1.8, like he's going to empower you to be my witnesses throughout the entire earth. And this is the essence of the endorsement of heaven so that we will point people to God. But... Blasphemy is to say that, that uh, the Trinity of God is, is God the Father and God the Son and God the Accuser of the Brethren. Yeah, we've taken the Accuser of their Brethren, we've slid him into God the Holy Spirit, and we've made God the Holy Spirit the convictor or the accuser of mankind. When in reality, that's not in our Bible, and that's not at all how that's written. Yeah. You know, It's like he's been given to convict the world of sin, but also of righteousness of judgment. And Jesus goes on to describe it thoroughly of sin because of their unbelief. He's going to reprove the mind of humanity from unbelieving to believing in who I truly am. He's going to empower you in such a way that you will demonstrate 
that I am who I said I was and that they can know me and follow me. He will convict the world of sin. Of righteousness, he says, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. In other words, now I will be inside of you and you won't be just simply following me around and I'm doing this stuff. I will be in you and you will be those very representatives of righteousness. The proclaimers of the righteousness of God. And you'll be empowered to prove that it is so. And of judgment. I love the last one. Because the ruler of this world is judged. It's like you will be empowered in such a way. And see, I think even if we have this wrong, and we see that if we've reversed the roles of God as the accuser and God the Holy Spirit in that Trinitarian model, it's like then we see the judgment. Yeah, it's our, our job to tell people, hey, you're fixing to go to hell if you don't turn. In the end times, we're like the like spirit-filled, like Alex Jones, like end times freak is like just freaking out trying to scare people into signing up for our club and it's like hey the holy spirit's here to impact and I, i'm not a hater on alex jones i'm not trying to make fun of him at all he, he gets a lot of stuff right i would have to say i mean you got to give it to him but anyways uh edit but uh, <laughs> but, uh he, he anyways the holy spirit is given to to empower you in such a way that you will to demonstrate that the ruler of this world is judged like everything that he ushered in through that poisonous tree the disciples came like gangbusters reversing if you read the book of acts the war was not against flesh and blood but against the principalities and powers of darkness the rulers of this current age right and that's what they came around gangbustering on and sicknesses diseases people that were paralyzed like all this stuff that was not mankind's inheritance they came releasing according to the gospel demonstrating that the ruler of this world is judge. And they had proof. I can prove to you that he's judged because look, I can reverse what he did to you. And that's Christianity by the Spirit. That is New Testament Christianity. That is the biblical function of the Holy Spirit or, or a great portion of it in the life of the believer. And it is not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Accuser that tells you what's wrong with you all the time. You know? It is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which is Christ in you, and that is the hope of glory in the world. In you, in all of you and me. You know what I mean? That, like, that's the hope of glory in the world. And this, this bait and switch, the oldest trick in the book, if you want to call it, where he got them to eat from his poisonous tree and got them to see God in a way that he was not and exalted himself, because that was his plan. If you read the Old Testament, I will exalt myself like the Most High God. That's, that was his plan, Satan's plan. And, he's, and he did that, and he skewed the image of God with his own image, and he placed himself into the, tr in the Godhead, and so many people were living afraid of the Godhead because you don't know if you're going to get the good cop or the bad cop that day. You don't know if dad's had a few drinks after work when he gets home and he's going to hit you for spilling your water or if he's in a good mood because the bulls won and he's not drinking tonight and he, maybe he went to a Bible study so he's going to be nice to you that night. But you better walk on some eggshells because you never know which one you're going to get. And that's what we've actually placed on God by the misteaching of the Bible. And it's not, this isn't breakable. You know what I mean? Stuff that I'm saying is theologically incredibly sound. Even the Message Bible gets it right. And I told you what I think about that. You know, even NIV gets it right. And I told you what, that's even worse. You know? Dang. 
But, you know, the reality is, is Jesus is coming and demonstrating something completely different. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God, and He was God. Like, whoa, what is this? In Him was light, and His light was the light of men. John 1 says that the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not overcome it. It did not comprehend it. It did not understand it. It could not, it could not mess it up. Jesus told them that. John 14, he's like, he's like, look, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. That was before Gethsemane. The ruler of this world, Satan himself, the darkest lord of the world, is coming. He's been given the keys to this earth by Adam. And he's coming, and he's coming after me, but he doesn't have anything in me. In other words, like, we are, it's oil and water, man. We, do, we don't mix it all. There's not a single button in me that he can push to make darkness come out of me. And, and mankind has been poisoned. They thought the Father is one way, and now we think the Son is one way. But, you know, all this, this weird stuff. But it's like, God is light, and in Him there is no, absolutely no darkness at all. You know? You know, James 1. Yeah. The Father of lights. It's, James 1 says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, within whom there is no variance. There is no shadow. There is no turning. In other words, God is good. This is this bipolar thing or this schizophrenic thing or this good cop, bad cop thing, this one way this time and one way on the backside of the book. None of that's real. None of that's real. It was all a lie. And there's no variance in him. There's no shadow. There's no father that's angry behind the back of the son that is good. There, there isn't. The Godhead is fully agreed. In fact, Colossians 1 says, Jesus is the fullness of deity embodied. The Bible says that in Christ, the Father was reconciling the world to himself. Like it was, there was, it, This plan was agreed upon. This was, this was love and light the entire way. And it had been spliced by the enemy to try to put himself into the mix and confuse mankind. And it's just like what we say in 2 Corinthians 3.14. Like, as we see God without a veil over our face, it says, we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. When we see him as he truly is, it causes the transformation to hit. And we change and reflect the image of the one we were created in. But when we see him with the veils or the filters or the grids of this good cop, bad cop, bad dad theology, whatever you want to call it, good and, you know, splice, it causes us to reflect that image to the world because that's what we're seeing. And that's why we're in the state that the world is in. And that's why Romans 8 says all of creation is groaning and longing for the sons of God to be manifest, to be real, because they will reflect the true image and it will unlock everything that's been limited. And this is us. And Jesus, man, I'll tell you what, we did it thoroughly uh, probably a few months ago, but I think it's so beautiful, Luke 15. Speaking of maybe schizophrenia or bipolar or whatever, you want, these, these vast extreme swings that we've been conditioned to believe in who God is, Jesus comes literally like a broken record talking about God as being Abba and Daddy and Papa and kind and accepting. It's like, no, no, we're afraid of Him. He's a scary one. You're the nice one. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's like, no, 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 no. He's telling the disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the Spirit's coming. You've been living with him for a few years too. And it's just like, what are you talking about? You know, The Pharisees are, are, are so judgmental. And they're so angry about the people that Jesus comes 
and hangs around with. And he tells them this story about the beautiful heart of God because that's who he is. The beautiful fathering heart of God. And what we, I think, wrongly call it is the story of the prodigal son. Um, but I feel like this the story is literally the story of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil gone wild. <laughs> like the mature version of it. Because you got one son that says, you know, Dad, give me my inheritance and let me just go live without you. Basically, I wish you were dead so that I could have all my goods and can, can live my life with, independent of you. And he goes, and, and you see in, in Luke 15 what happens with that guy. He goes and spends all of his money on wild, really extremely wild, prodigal, wild living. You know, gets really yucky. He's in a real bad state. Next thing you know, he's, he's joined up to a foreigner in a foreign land. You know, he's, he's the epitome of unclean. He's telling this to Pharisees. Remember that. So he's the epitome of unclean, living with a foreigner. Not only that, he's, he's, he's working with pigs, which was like this super unclean animal. It's a, a disgusting profession. He actually wanted to eat the same food as them. You know, he's, Jesus is telling this story, and he's you know, talking about poking the bear. And he's got the pot. He's stirring that pot, getting them all just, oh, oh, as if never. Oh, you know what I mean? This is like, you know, something like that. But anyway, so he's, he's doing all these things, but, but, but he, he says this something. It says in, in, in Luke 15, verse 17, but when this young man, this guy who got into filth and got in, completely contorted his identity into something else, it says, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I'm sitting here perishing with hunger. I'm going to go to my dad's house. And I love that Jesus said it like that, when he came to himself. Because you'll see signs in religious places, like admit you're a sinner. It's just like, no, he had been living as a sinner. But something came into his mind where he came to himself. This isn't me. This isn't my world. This isn't my reality. This is, I've, I've, this is stupid. What am I doing how, how did I get here? And in this story that he devises a plan that I'm going to go to my father and tell him that I've sinned against heaven before him. And I'm going to tell him I'm not even worthy to be called um, his son. So basically, I'm going to control my dad and tell him what he's going to do. I'm going to say, make me like your hired servants. That's what I'm going to do. He worked his, he worked his five-year plan. He worked his recovery plan. You know what I'm saying? And I think... Seeing God in this same way causes people to, to, this is what I can do to earn my way back being cool with you, God. It's a religious works mentality. Yeah. He went, <laughs> it's funny how, that, how, that, how that, that swing from that bipolar from one side to the other can swing you. Like one, one day you're in, in prostitutes, drugs, and alcohol, and pigs, and then the next day you're like, you know what, I'm going to... I'm serving in your house. You can't, won't even call me a son. I'll be serving. Amen, brother. You know, I'm just like, wow, goodness gracious. It's like a violent swing. You know, the imager of God, and that's what he's imaging to the world. Um, make me like one of your hired servants. But it says when he come to his father, and he was still a far way off. In other words, he didn't have it all figured out. You know what I mean? He wasn't all super clean in his five-year plan. He probably was still jonesing for whatever he was addicted to. He probably had cravings of all the stuff he was still doing. He was a far way off. He wasn't even, you know, some people that, you know, they won't even come around until they're perfectly clean and they're feeling really good and then they like to present themselves to people and if they're having rough, you won't see them for a little while, you know, but none of us in here, but I mean, a lot of people are like that. And, but this dude's like, he's, he's a far way off and what does Abba do? Runs him down. He's even making an effort to come in my direction. What does that show you? Daddy's waiting the whole time. 
The doors were open the whole time. The doors are still open. They've always been open. They've always been open. David's inside the dang tabernacle eating bread. Like you do that, you're going to die in there. Well, apparently not. Dad's house was open then. People just didn't realize it. Come on now. The father sees him, runs him down and kisses him. That's not how a stately man would act. Runs? He runs? That's right. We're talking about getting healthy, y'all. <laughs> the father's healthy. He runs, man. Um, he runs. He sees him afar, far away. Saw him. Had compassion. Ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. It's like, now wait a second. He's supposed to be outside for a while. He's been unclean. All their rules. All their regulations. You know what I'm saying? And the dad's face to the neck. Acceptance. And we think our sin separates us from God. Colossians says that's not true. But, you know. Father runs up on him. Then the son pulls out. Here's a little piece of paper. It's actually Noble's uh, little word puzzle. Pulls his paper out. Gets his script out. <clears throat> Sorry, you know, pushes his dad off his neck. All right, um... Here's the deal. Like, here's my punishment. <laughs> here's the punishment that you're going to have for me to accept me back in, okay? Okay. So he goes to read his little script to him to tell him, tell him exactly what he planned to sell him. First, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer to be called. I'm not, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. You know what I'm saying? So there is repentance. There's acknowledgement. I... I went the wrong way. I went the wrong way. But he had already turned around and started coming the right way. Before he gets to read his script, the thing that he said he would say, I'm no longer Rupert to be your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. The very As soon as he got to the sentence about being working for his dad, all right, so now I'm going to work my way back into, into the house. Before he gets to say that, his dad starts yelling over him talking over him. And I love that. I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. So mm, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Get a ring and put it on his hand. Put the new put the sandals on. Get it, you know, he's just so fired up that he's there. He's already reclothing him. Put the best the best robe. Bring out the best ones like he hasn't showered off yet. He's not even, you know what I'm saying? Put the best sandals on his feet. Ring, signet, sonship, authority. And it's just like, what do you think this, what, what do you think's flooding this man that feels so much shame and disgust about himself? And he's, and he's having this wrap him up. This, ex, this is intense. <laughs> this is a lot. But it was crashing against all of his shame and all of his disqualification and all of his five-year plan to work his way back in. And why are you putting a ring? So there's power in this game. That's what the whole thing was about, right? Then Jesus says, the Holy Spirit's coming. The Spirit of truth. It's better for you that I go away. When he comes upon you, you're going to receive power. All of our ears perking up. If I'm one of the twelve, I'm like, we're going to receive What? You mean like the judges and they used to kill a bunch of people with their power? Like, I like this, I like this. Like, no, no, no. That's why you've lived with me for three years. You see me ripping somebody's arms out of socket? 
No. Killing animal, you know, killing foxes like Samson and whipping people's, uh, you know, uh, uh, tails. No, you haven't seen that. So it's power to do good. Mm. <gasps> well, I guess that's going to be okay too. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's always been about this. There goes the ring on the, on the finger. My son was dead and he's alive. Resurrection. Yeah. Now the older brother heard the music and heard the party. <laughs> he's out there working away. Dad, what's going on? Your brother's back. We killed the fatted calf. Servants are like, yeah, dad, dad got him a big piece of you know, veal or fatted calf and all that. But his other brother was angry, wouldn't go in. So here's Jesus talking to the Pharisees about them outside of the party. They refused to come into the grace. They refused to come into the father's house. He was angry, wouldn't go in. So the father came outside and pleaded with him. And he answered the father, Lo, many, all these years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment. You never gave me a young goat. You never gave me all these things. So it shows that that other brother was in the same mindset that the younger brother came in, came back in with. It's like, oh, you mean you've been doing all that stuff to hopefully get into the house and to, have, and to enter into your father's joy? Yeah. And as soon as this son of yours came in, devoured your life, livelihood with harlots, you killed him a fatted calf. But what does the dad say? Son, you're always with me. All that I have is yours. He says the access, the limits, all those limits are always just been in your mind. The access is granted. Everything that I have is yours. You're actually with me. It was right to sing and make merry for your, for your, for your brothers. This is the right way. Come on in. Let him even be a sign to you that, hey, stop, stop going out there, staying busy and trying to work for something that you've already got. And he's telling the Pharisees this same reality. Who's bipolar in this story? Is the dad? Do you ever see a different side of the father in this entire story? Or do you see mankind in the sons, one being on one, one extreme of legalism, one on the far other extreme of lawlessness? And by the end of the story, one is coming back in and he's welcomed in. So he's back in alignment with God where the other one's like in complete and total rebellion against God. I refuse to come into your house. You know? So the condition of mankind is laid out really clear for us in that story. And Jesus said it right in front of these Pharisees. And it's funny. He sits, I can just imagine him sitting back crossing his arms looking at those guys. And it's like, hey, like, a lot of people are like, well, you know, this is talking about heaven and hell, you know, brother. And some people were, you know, free choice. They'll refuse to go into heaven at the end. And that's, you know, it's, that's quite a bit. That's quite possible. You know what I'm saying? Free choice is, gonna, is the game all the way from the front to the back of the book. But there's also something there that here's the father on the outside of his own house and the outside of his own party still pleading with them to come in. You know what I mean? They've separated themselves to outer darkness and he's still with them. Kind of like what David said, where can I go that you will not be there in Psalm 139? You know what I'm saying? Can I, if I go into the depths of Sheol, you're still there. You're always after me. Even when I try to run away from you. And here's the heart of the father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father sitting with this rebellious Pharisees with this angry mentality, sitting there ticked off. And he's telling them at the end of the story, God's not even in the party. 
He's outside talking to you guys, trying to get you to come back in because your heart has become so hard and you're ticked off. It doesn't have to be this way. And this is the Spirit of God. This is that James 1. This is, this is every good and perfect gift that comes down, comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variance or shadow or turning. He's always been the same. He hasn't changed from the Old to the New Testament. Especially when you do a really good, thorough study and you understand Genesis 6 and you understand all the wars of the Old Testament, you understand all the Nephilim, you understand all the giant groups, all the gods, the Elohim of the world, and all the wars that happened were all about that very thing. It was light versus darkness. It was never racism. It was never elitism. It was never just genocidal maniac, sacrificial God. It was one God who was the antithesis to all of that, who was love and kindness and goodness. And it can be seen throughout the entire Bible doing a healthy bit of reading exegesis, pure theology and looking at the whole thing through the four books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and understanding it that way. Like our God is altogether lovely. And here we are brought into this reality that Jesus is talking about in John 16. You will, you will do these things. You will, you will reprove the world of sin, of righteous judgment, of sin because of unbelief. You'll, you'll change the unbelieving to believing because of the transformation and the giftings and the powers that I give you. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4. You know what I'm saying? He ascended on high and he gave gifts to mankind, captivity captive. He recovered all the captives. He made a show of it and gave giftings to mankind and, 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 and said, be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. Eden's back, baby. That's what it was. Heaven on earth. Pray the prayer. Our Father, Abba, who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Separate. Hallowed means separate. Separate from that weird, skewed, Thing that the enemy has done through poison of good and evil separate and seen for who you truly are may your kingdom come and maybe your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven and this is us this is our job man and he says all these things constantly he will guide you into all truth he will glorify of me he will take what is mine and he will declare it to you and the spirit comes he will lead you into all truth. We've taken the Holy Spirit, the walk of this relational connection of God, we've put it over there, uh, many have put it over there as this accuser. In reality, He's there to lead us into all truth and He's there to father us into wholeness and success. It's true. John 15, 8, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and you'll be my disciples. I want you to thrive. I want you to have an abundance of life. I want the, the, the leading technology of the earth and the, the leading in wholeness and health and psychology and medicine and art. It's like, I don't want you hiding and trying to be in ministry for your whole life. I want you to thrive in the world and the answers that the world is longing for will come through the sons and daughters of God whose minds have been unlocked by this new covenant and by the Spirit within them. The hope of glory is in all of us and nobody's limited. Jesus said in John 16, 15, I love this one, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. I absolutely love that verse. It's, it's like this, the, everything he's got's mine. It's like, yeesh, you're really getting bold there, buddy. You might want to step it down a notch. It's like, no, 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 this is the embodiment of God talking, the Word who was with God and was God. 
It's like everything I've got, everything he's got, mine too. You know? He's talking about learning to abide in who he truly is. Abide in me and you'll bear fruit. I love it. John 16, 23. In that day you'll ask me nothing. You'll ask me absolutely nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give to you. It's like, I am God. You will abide in me in such agreement and wholeness in your person that even the requests in your prayer and your connection to God, you will do so in my name. You are going to be so saturated with me and you and I, you know, with me and you and you and me, that will be your reality. Yeah. You know, in that day, you will, he, he repeats it in John 16, 26. In that day, you will ask in my name. I don't say that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, you've loved me, and you believe that I've come forth from the Father. It's like you will have this authority in me, in God. The most beautiful scripture of all, you know, John 14, 20. In that day, keep saying, at that day, he's talking about this baptism. He's talking about this Holy Spirit that we would walk in. You will know that I'm in my Father and that you are in me and that I am in you. Like you are all the way in. There's no more working for acceptance. You're in the family. And if you abide in that reality, you'll bear fruit. And in that abode, you will ask the things. You will come into agreement with those things which are of heaven and you will release them into the very, into the earth. Yeah. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Romans 8, 16. I love that verse. The Holy Spirit in you bears witness with your spirit that you are a son or a daughter of God. That's a beautiful prayer. Do you, do you sometimes feel rejection or feel like works or you feel kind of condemnation and stuff maybe from God or if you're not good enough and all these things? Romans 8, 14 and 15 and 16 is great. It's like you haven't received the spirit of, of fear of working to be good enough and probably missing the mark. That's what that's actually talking about. But you've received the spirit of total acceptance by which you cry out, Abba. You know what I'm saying? The spirit himself that bears witness that you are spirit of God. It makes that reality real to you. And you can ask him to do that. Holy Spirit, would you make my sonship real? Would you bear witness with my spirit of my true identity in your household? Would you bring me into the place of confidence that I'm not walking around with a whip dog mentality, but in the place of confidence as a son or a daughter who's meant to be led of you, to manifest you in the world, and that you have my future and you have, you have my life plan? And that I can follow that reality and succeed pointing people to you. It's a different game. 1 John 5.14 This is the confidence we have in Him if we ask anything according to His will that He hears us. And if He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked. This reality of like, hey, coming into the reality of who Jesus is and that we're in Him and that He's in us and partnering with that. It's no longer about selfish ambition. It's about the kingdom of heaven coming in and through our life and God fathering us in that reality. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah. The world is longing to see Dad. You know. And our brothers and sisters will see Him when we reflect Him. The giftings and the, the giftings of the Spirit, the walk of the Spirit, this isn't just like, you know, charismania. We get up here and just shun die, hun die all the time and get the shakes and act all wild. You know what I mean? 
you, you see them videos on Instagram, you see them videos, y'all know what I'm talking about, all that stuff, but uh, not that it's even all bad, but it's, it's not about outward manifestations as much as it is an outward reflection of the complete and total acceptance and confidence and love of God coming in and through us. Even the giftings of the Holy Spirit, they're literally meant to connect people to God, not to draw people to us. It's true. I was working at Champ Sports. It's kind of like Foot Locker. In Charlotte, North Carolina, I remember one day, as a, as a young student, I was you know, baptized into this reality, the Holy Spirit, this reality of New Testament Christianity. You know, I thought it was really strange when I was younger. I kind of wanted to stay away from it. Saw people falling on the ground and all that. Make sure, people standing up yelling in other languages at church. Like, ah, I don't want to I don't, I don't do that. I want to be one of those, you know. I don't know about all that stuff. You know, it's a real person. But I remember I was back there and I was, I was, I, I stocked the, the shoes all the way through the back of the, the shoe store. It's a real big store in the South Park Mall in Charlotte. When I was in school, when I was back there with my headphones on doing my thing, and I remember I was stocking shelves and my head started to itch incredibly bad. Like just some, like, like, like a hot set of lice just flew right into my hair or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> And um, I just remember just having this profound itch in my head, like, oh my gosh. And, but I felt like this knowing, this communication of God, like there's a demonic attack that's being released against people here at the store. And you know, like, how can you know that? That's really strange and bizarre. It's like, yeah, I know that is, but I just, it's not like I even thought that it might be the case. It was like I just knew it instantaneously. I, there's not a manual that says, hey, if your head itches like you got lice, it's demons. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's not one of those. But I just thought, like, this is something demonic is here. And I said, like, oh, okay, well, I'll be ready for it. And I had my headphones on. Had super long hair back then, all the way down my back. Real white trash-looking guy back there in the stock room just stocking away. Didn't even wear the Champs uniform, just back there stocking, you know. And um, I'd have to throw the Champs shirt on when I'd go to the, to the front of the floor. But anyways, this guy, this guy, guy named JJ, walks back there, and he kind of has a spooked-out look on his face. And he just walks up and he sees me and he's looking for some shoes and he says, there's a weird dude in here, man. He smells like he slept in the park last night. And again, I'm in that mode. I was kind of just locked in. I was like, he's not here to buy shoes. And he looked at me and he goes, what? <laughs> kind of like creeping me out, man. You know what I mean? And he took his shoes back out there. And I was like, this, this, is, this is that attack that I was feeling. Then he walks back in the stock room. Here comes JJ again, like, this dude's crazy, man. He's like, I didn't have a shoe size. He wants these, uh, like, green and white uh, Nike Dunk highs that were getting popular there. He's like, he wants these, like, he wears like a size nine and a half. He wants a size 11 now. I said, all we have is 11. He's like, yeah, da, da, da. Or, bring me this one, bring me that. And I, and I looked at him, I was like, are you freaked out? And JJ's kind of tough guy, you know what I mean? So he's not gonna be like, he's like, I was like, you want me to go out there with you? He's like, yeah, man. <laughs> I was like, all right. So I walked out there. And that's when it's like, he had a pair of 11 dunk highs, but he didn't, the guy was wearing like a nine and a half. And, and oh, I should say this. And I, I kind of pictured the guy. I, I was like, does he look like he's Haitian? And he's like, Haitian? I was like, you know, like, like he's like from Haiti. He's like, yeah, he looks like he's African or something. And JJ's black too, so it's not a racist thing. JJ's like, yeah, he's... He looks like he's African or something. I was like, yeah, he's not here to buy shoes. 
And he's like, dude, yeah, just come out with me. And I was like, all right. So I walked out there with him, you know what I mean? And um, the dude was walking around just putting his hands on stuff in the store, really bloodshot looking eyes. And um, he just, you could, I could just sense like he's here for some trouble. You know, he's here to act up. He's here acting a fool, man. And uh, the manager of the store was named Ayana, and that was JJ's fiance. And, uh, you know, so like they're all out there and just kind of like this, this feels sketchy. Like if he's got a gun, he's going to pull out. He just felt like a really dark figure, you know. And um, I walked out with JJ and he's like, hey, all we have, all we had was an 11 in, in your size. And the dude looks at him and goes, bring them to me like that. I'll never forget that part. Bring them to me. He's like, yeah, man. Yeah. And Jay's like, ah, you know, he's a tough guy, but he didn't even want to walk over and hand him the shoebox. He was so freaked out by the guy. <laughs> you know, has anybody ever seen Belly? No, but uh, old gangster movie. He was like one of those Haitian, like real drug lord guys. He's like real dangerous. Um, or that movie where the, where the, the shit pirates pull the people over in the ocean a couple years back. I'm talking to myself. All right. No big deal. When he's like, oh, it's my ship now. That guy kind of looked like, kind of like that type of guy. You know what I'm talking about. So anyways, he's like, bring them to me, holding the box up. And Jay's like, man, man, just come on, man. Come on, man. He's just like holding it out like this. So I just grabbed the box and I just walked it over to him. Boom. And he's walking. He's like, he's putting them on. He's walking around. And I was like, it's fine. You know what I'm saying? So he puts these shoes on way too big for him. And he starts just walking around the store. I kind of walked back in the stock room. I was kind of going back and forth. He's walking around the store just touching everything. He's like, I just want this man to, do, to leave, dude. This is that weird. And I walked out there, and this is not normal for me, right? Um, but I walked back out there, and I saw him just walking, touching everything in the store. And I spoke in a language that I, that I, that I only speak by myself. You know, your prayer language, right? And, you know, we're getting a little charismatic in here. Um, but I literally spoke like probably two or three sentences straight to him out loud across the store. Just blah, 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 blah. You know, <laughs> something like that. To which JJ and Ayana are looking at me like, which they called me Jesus because I look like Jesus got a white dude with long hair because that's what he looks like allegedly, right? No, but that's what they used to call me. And they were just like, how did you just talk to that dude's language? What I did, you know, I wasn't pl planning on. And he walked over from the store and he bought the shoes right on right on the counter and i was like hey man if you're gonna buy these buy them he pulled wads of cash out and just dropped them on the counter in front of ayana didn't even flip open just like here you count it and you and you you do it and she took the money and she folded it, uh, gave him his change and i just stood right next to him on the counter just stood there just kind of politely wasn't trying to bulldog him or be mean or anything and he put them on put bought a set of size like 11 or 11 and a half white dunk highs it didn't even fit him and he walked out of the store. Isn't that bizarre? So it's almost lunchtime for, for you guys. Yeah. So I walked back in the stock room, put my headphones up, back on, did my thing. And I was kind of like, dude, that was nuts. And I was like, I can't believe I just did that in front of all of them. Because I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm doing it in front of y'all. You know what I mean? So I was just like, wow, that, that was pretty intense. But I felt good about it. It's like, hey, we sold a set of shoes. They weren't even the right size. You know what I mean? Bang. It's a sales tax. This is my, uh, uh, Kingdom business uh, meeting today, Joseph anointing, you know, all that silly stuff they do these days, right? But maybe not. But anyway, so I'm back and, and JJ walks back up to me and he's shook and he's shook up. He's like, dude, what was that? 
And I just kind of smiled. I just kind of smiled. And he goes, you know your stuff, man. You know your stuff. <laughs> That's what he told me, but he didn't say stuff. That's the only thing he could think to say. Like, man, you know your stuff. And I was like, well. And he goes, you know, and this is, this is not a preacher story. This is exactly what he said. He says, you know, he's like, I never knew my father, man. And that's just so bizarre. It's like, you never knew your dad. Like, why are you even telling me this? Why, why would that sentence come out right here to this hippie-looking guy in a stockroom with headphones around his neck? You know what I mean? I never knew my dad. You know. And the reason of this is like, when you, when you, when you look at this, the, the spirit of your father who will testify of these things, this, this Holy Spirit, he will empower you to literally live this truth and live this reality in such a way that it points people to God and not even to you. Not even to you. I didn't say the sinner's prayer to him. I didn't, I didn't say any of those things. I walked out and spoke in an intelligible language because I had an itchy head to a Haitian man that was my age in a shoe store and got him to leave and buy some shoes that didn't fit. And JJ is like, you know your stuff, man. I never knew my father. And it's just like, man, it's like, do we need to have a gospel track that tells the whole story? Or do we, we need to live a certain way that pressed a button in him that he felt completely alone, com completely uncovered and unqualified. And the whole of his dad, he felt the spirit of his dad through somebody that, you know, I was still in school. I wasn't, you know, I was just a stockroom guy. I was sweeping up dirt and picking up shoes, you know what I'm saying? And it's like here, JJ is like, I never knew my dad. And it just was like, man, it's almost like somebody put the tee ball up on the tee and gave you a bat and said, all right, go hit that thing. I didn't have to time the pitch. I didn't have to set it up. You know what I mean? We didn't do a jump house at the park and give away free hot dogs and try to get people to listen to our gospel tracks. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just not our thing. But what ended up happening is the very, the very root of what we wanted to get into with the guy actually manifested. And he's like, I've never, I never knew my dad. And I was like, I know your dad. Dad? Oh yeah, your real dad. Talk about set up on a dang, on a t-ball bat. Like JJ, God's your dad. Told him about Jesus. Told him about the story. Told him, told him the gospel in a way that was presented, but also with an experience that JJ and Ayana, are, they are not soon to forget. Ever. Because they felt something. And it's simple. It's simple to walking by the Spirit. It's simple to living our regular, day, regular life, doing our jobs with excellence, yes, but understand that we are undercover wherever we're at. And we're here for something else. And I presented it to him. And I told him the story. And you know what he told me? This is the year the Passion of Christ came out. And I think it was like one of his cousins would bootleg, would bootleg uh, DVDs. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, my grandma, she's got the Passion of the Christ DVDs. You know, she doesn't know the bootleg, but she buys them. And so I'll, I'm going to watch that. And I was like, ah, yeah, watch that. You know what I mean? Isn't that funny? So I, I ordered about 10 of them from them, and I sold them to all the kids at the Bible school and made money. <laughs> Not really. That's a, I, I made that part up. The rest of it's fully true. 
I didn't sell, I didn't bootleg passion. But I just, you know, it's time to eat. You can tell. Start telling, telling jokes. Uh, anyhow, the reality of this spirit is, the, the reality is that the whole world is searching for dad. And the enemy has inserted a lie that's poisoned the world and caused people to not even want to approach him. It's the very first thing that happened. They, instantly they ate that fruit, they started hiding from him. They sewed up the fig leaves, they sewed up the outfits, they tried to cover themselves and hide away from somebody as if he was angry with them. And it was never true, it was the poison talking. And he's done that. But deep on the inside, everybody wants to know him. And the reality that Jesus comes and portrays through the entire gospel, and especially when he speaks John 14, 15, 16, he's really blunt. It's like he's going to come and he's going to lead you in all truth. He wants to father you. I've come to give you abundant life. The enemy is the one that steals, kills, and destroys. Like God gives you the power to create wealth and he doesn't add sorrow to it. It's like, yeah, he's, he wants you to succeed, but he's gonna, he wants to pound you too. It's like, no, he doesn't. Add, like, no. Like, there's no catch. There's no asterisk. There's no, there's no extra on him. It's like he's the good guy. So trust him. And he knew that the father, as soon as they even turn around, he's chasing them down. It was always the son. It was always that. It was always that way. It was never the other way. Work to get yourself back up here. Well, I've been working this whole time to get up here. It's like, yeah, that's the point. You're up here, dude. I'm with you. You know what I mean? I was there, and he wants to father us into wholeness, into success, into the abundance of life. Because he loves us. And he's called us to make disciples. Which is not to go out and say, good cop, bad cop, make a decision. It's, it's to say like, hey, I'm not special. I'm special to him, but I'm not special compared to you. This is for everybody. And you can know him. And I love what even Yitzha started us off with. And I've done that with several, even clients and stuff that I've had. is like, hey, if you just write your questions to him and write your heart to him and just write it and then give him time to answer you. Might answer you in music or in a song or in a message or in a teaching or in something very secular or, in, or might in a dream or in a vision or all these different things that he does. It's like he's absolutely so very real that if you'll give him the space to speak, he'll do it. And then you might, well, that was my brain, or that was my this, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the carnal mind is at enmity with God, is what the Bible says, you know what I'm saying? But it will happen to you. And if you continue this relational walk, you'll realize that, like, he never was the mean football coach that was always hard on us. He was the gentle and loving father who was always wanting to lead us into truth because he's called us into something great, you know, to manifest him everywhere he, we go. And that's the game plan. And that's the kingdom. Lord, we thank you for the truth. We thank you for reality. And we thank you that you are a good father. And that all the good and perfect gifts, they actually come from you. Even the ones that we use to glorify our own selves, they actually came from you. And you're that good, you still give them. Help the truth and the reality that there's no variance, shadow, or turning. And you help that to sink down into the core of our of our being. And Holy Spirit, we even, we even pray the inspired Scripture. The Scripture says that you yourself, you are here with us to bear witness 
that we are the children of God, to bear witness that we have not received a bondage to fear of not being good enough and all these other things. But I ask you, for everyone even in this building and listen to this voice, that you would make the fatherhood of God real to us in our core, in our innermost being. We give you permission. I give you permission with me, and I'm sure those who would agree. We give you permission to bear witness within us that deep, deep core reality that we are your sons and daughters and that you're good. Amen.